TED Audio Collective. Hi, it's Elise Hugh, and this is TED Talks Daily. Today, Dean Furness, an analytic consultant, gives a talk about what he learned after surviving a near-fatal accident. What do you do when your idea of the future is obliterated by a catastrophe? How do you face who you are when who you thought you were changes drastically? Dean gives his talk in what I would call an inspirational deadpan. You'll learn from what he learned about resilience in the face of life-changing challenges. Here he is from the stage at TED at Wells Fargo 2020. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here to keep a pulse on environmental trends. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in electric vehicles, renewable energy, water sustainability, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research uncovers emerging trends, then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customized to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. TED Talks Daily is brought to you by Progressive. Progressive helps you compare direct auto rates from a variety of companies so you can find a great one, even if it's not with them. Quote today at progressive.com to find a rate that works with your budget. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. It seems we've been measured almost all of our lives. When we were infants, with our height and our weight, and as we grew, it became our our speed and our strength. And even in school, with our test scores, and today, with our salaries and job performance. It seems as if those personal averages are almost always used to measure where we are in comparison to our peers. And I think we should look at that a little differently. That personal average is just that. It's something very personal, and it's for you. And I think if you focus on that and work to build that, you can really start to accomplish some really amazing things. This idea started for me on a December evening in 2011. I had just stepped outside to do our evening chores to feed our horses. I hopped into our tractor, and a few minutes later, a five-foot-tall, 700-pound bale of hay fell from the loader, crushing me in the seat of the tractor in the process, shattering my T5 and T6 vertebrae. I didn't lose consciousness, but I felt this buzz throughout my body, and I knew it had happened right away. My hands were reaching for my legs, but my legs didn't recognize anything touching them. And in fact, I couldn't feel anything from the center of my chest down. So there I was, about 100 feet from the house, with my arms wrapped around the steering wheel, trying to hold myself up, waiting for help. And unlike what you see on TV and the movies, as much as I tried to get the dogs to go to the house and get help, (laughs) they just stared at me. Well, 45 minutes later, my wife came home, and I heard her step out of the the house and, and like normal if I needed help. Hey, do you need help? And I said, yes. And there was a brief pause, and then I heard her yell, do you need 911 help? And again, I yelled, yes. 
Well, not long after, I was enjoying my very first helicopter ride all the way to the hospital. Now, the injury wasn't very dramatic or graphic. Um, I simply broke a bone or two. And in the process, I was told I'd probably never walk again. It became very normal for me to use a rope to sit up in bed because my abdominal muscles no longer work, or to use a board to slide out of bed into a wheelchair, or to even wait for people to reach things for me. Everything that I had learned and had known about my height and my strength and my balance and my mobility was blown away. My entire personal average had been reset. Now, you can be sure in those days, I was being measured more than ever by the doctors and nurses for sure, but maybe more so in my own mind. And I found myself comparing what I thought I was going to be able to do going forward with what I once was able to do. And I became pretty frustrated. It took some very consistent prodding from my wife, I kept saying, get your eyes up before I could get moving forward. And I soon realized that I almost had to forget about the person I was before and the things I was able to do before. I almost had to pretend it was never me. And I'm afraid if I had not made that realization, my frustration would have turned into something much harder to recover from. Now, luckily, a few weeks later, I was transferred to a specialty spinal cord rehab hospital about 10 hours from home. And wouldn't you know, the first day of rehab and the first session, we had something called fit class. And a group of us broke into teams to see which team could do the most reps in the weight machine. Now, we've all been there, haven't been to the gym in a year or two, and neither had I. And so what do you do? You try to do what you did a couple of years ago, and you do a couple of sets, and then what do you do? A couple more, and you're feeling even better, so you do more. And the next two weeks, you complain to your family about how sore you are. <laughs> well, my team went all out, and we won. We won big. And for the next three days, I could not straighten my arms, which isn't that big a deal, except when you're in a wheelchair, and that's really what you have to use to get around. And that proved to be a very important lesson for me. You know, it was one thing that I couldn't compare myself to myself, but even around people in the same situation in that hospital, I found that I couldn't try to keep pace or set pace with them as well. And I was left with really only one choice, and that was to focus on who I was at that point in time with where I needed to go and to get back to who I needed to be. For the next six weeks, for seven to eight hours a day, that's what I did. I built little by little. And as you might expect, when you're recovering from a spinal cord injury, you're going to have a bad day. You might have a few in a row. And what I found out is that good and bad really didn't have a lot of meaning unless I had the context of knowing what my average was. It was really up to me to decide if something was bad or good based on where I was at that point in time. And it was in my control to determine if it really was a bad day. In fact, it was my decision on whether or not I could stop a streak of bad days. And what I found during that time away from home is I never had a bad day, even with everything going on. There were parts of my day that were certainly not as pleasant as they could be, but it was never an entirely bad day. So I'm guessing all of you have been through a meeting that probably didn't go very well, or a commute that wasn't as great as you would like it, or even burned dinner at night. Did those things really ruin your entire day? What I found in those scenarios is the quicker you move on to what's next, the quicker you can start attacking things. And by moving on to next as fast as possible, you shrink the time you spend in those bad scenarios, and it gives more time for the good. And as a result, the good outweighs the bad, your average increases, and that's just how the math works. It didn't matter to me if I had spent the morning really struggling with my medication 
or at lunch, my legs being very spastic, or even if I had fallen out of my wheelchair. Um, ask my wife, it happens quite often, she's here. Um, there were just small parts of my day and small parts of my average. And so in the months and years that followed, I continued to try to attack things in that way. And before I know it, I was being presented with some pretty incredible challenges, like completing a marathon in a wheelchair. In early 2016, I met my physical therapist, and after a few really grueling sessions, she must have sensed something, because she pulled me aside and said, you know, you should do a half marathon in your wheelchair. Oh, yeah, it's in 10 weeks. And um, I thought in my mind, you're crazy. I didn't have a workout plan. I didn't have any way of knowing how fast I needed to go or how far I was supposed to go. Um, but I simply got to work. And I started tracking every workout every day, and I simply wanted to be as good as or as fast as I was the prior day. And in the end, I really created that average for myself, and I tried to build on that as much as I could. Well, I finished that race right in time with what my average should have been. And you know, somewhere along the way, I kind of closed the door on who I once was. That person who I was before and all those things I thought I was able to do, it really didn't matter. In fact, walking again really didn't matter. It became much less of a goal for me in terms of where I was going to go. And besides, you guys are so slow when you walk. <laughs> I mean, in crowds like this, it is so difficult. I'm like, get out of the way. We're going places. Um, and all I wanted to do was go fast. So I did what I thought I should do. I started researching wheelchair racing. And I went online and I found the best of the best. I learned their technique. I learned about the equipment. And I was lucky to have a coach that um, offered me a way to get started. And after talking with him and having him help me get, uh, get those things uh, you know, underway, um, as I was leaving, he says, you know, you should do the 2017 Chicago Marathon. And you know, he's the coach. I can't tell him no. So with that guidance, I went back home and I got to work, much like in the prior, uh, prior way. And I continued researching, but I had learned my lesson. I was really careful not to compare with how accomplished those people on the internet were um, and how fast they were, because if I had, then I probably never would have continued going through with it. Well, the weekend of the race arrived, and it was just like going to college for the first time. You're dumped off. There's a whole bunch of people around you. You don't really know very many of them. Somebody's got the cool stereo and the cool TV, and they're smart, and they're pretty, and they're cute, and they're handsome, and you don't know if you really belong. But then somebody says, hey, let's go get food. And all of a sudden, that friend group happens, and you start to settle in. Well, that weekend of the race, we had a meeting called the Wheelers Meeting, and there were 60 wheelchairs in that room the night before the race. And wouldn't you know it, all of the people that I had been researching were there, the best in the world. There must have been over 50 Paralympic medals in the room that day. And I felt pretty small, and I fell back into that trap of comparing myself. Um, I knew that my averages that I had been tracking during my workouts were over 90 seconds slower per mile than theirs. And the coach was the only one there that I knew. And he reached out and noticed something. And I think he sensed my anxiety. And he invited me to get food with his team. And with that, everything settled down. I realized really quick that they didn't care about my average, surely. And I had forgotten about theirs. Well, that next day, I finished the race about 45 minutes after the person that won it. Um, but as I was leaving, those new friends who are very close today um, challenged me to stay involved and to keep working through um, different races and competitions. 
And so I did what I knew how. I went home and I got busy. Now, as you can imagine, being in a wheelchair, let alone training for a marathon in a wheelchair, is a pretty lonely thing. I have an incredible group of friends that will ride bike with me and keep track of pace and help me out. But in the end, it's still five to six days a week. It's 50 to 60 miles of effort. And there's a lot of alone time. And for the most part, you really have nothing to rely on but yourself in those times. It's my average, and I'm trying to get better little by little. Well, this fall is in Chicago for the third time. It was my seventh marathon. And just like going back to college for your junior year, you're anticipating catching up with friends and getting excited about rolling right back into things. Well, I attended the same pre-race meeting and the same pre-race meal and caught up with those friends. And we lined up for the race. And right at the start, my average kicked in. And before long, I caught up with some of those friends and was able to keep pace with them and push together. But it wasn't long before I faded. Um, it just happened, and I found myself all alone again with really nothing to rely on other than what I had worked so hard to be, uh, you know, be at. Um, but we turned into the wind at the halfway point, and my average became a really strong advantage. And it wasn't long before I actually caught some of those friends and passed them all the way to the finish. And while I didn't set a personal record that day, um, I did finish 30 seconds per mile faster than my prior Chicago times um, and just left myself pretty excited. And so this is me. This is my average. Um, 75 days from today, I'll be in Boston for my second time. I'm super excited about that. Um, but keep in mind, this isn't really just about racing, right? I'm working really hard every day to be better in so many other ways, a better parent, better husband, better coach, teammate, friend, person. And I promise you, even though what you see here is very visible in terms of the challenges that I face, Everybody here has something that they're fighting, and it may be visible, it may not be. But please take some time and focus on you instead of others. And I bet you can win those challenges and really start accomplishing so many great things. Thank you. The best place to see stars is at home with Prime Video. Get everything included with Prime, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, starring Donald Glover and Maya Erskine. Rent or buy hits like Mean Girls, starring Renee Rapp. Or add-on channels like Max for the HBO original Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. You've never seen so many stars in one place. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.